Welcome to Waiting For You, the podcast where we talk infertility, hope, loss and courage. I'm Janine, mum of one, a newborn and family photographer and lover of dark chocolate. Here we will share stories of families who have faced a different or difficult journey through conception, pregnancy or postpartum. I want to honour these stories and have them be heard and I want to bring it all, the tears, the hope, the despair and the joy. Today I am talking with Andy. Andy experienced baby loss about halfway through her pregnancy after she found out that her little baby girl had a devastating diagnosis of limb body wall complex. Andy had to make some really hard decisions for herself and for her daughter Ariel. Termination for medical reasons can be a very taboo topic and I am so glad Andy feels that she can share that here with us. Here's Andy and Arielle's story. Hey Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, that's okay. How are you going? I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. Do you want to start Andy by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm from the Gold Coast in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I volunteer for QEndo. So we're an organisation who helps anyone affected by endometriosis, anomyosis, PCOS and infertility. I'm their event manager. Wow. Not much has, yeah, not much has been done the last year because <laughs> Corona. <laughs> uh, I mainly just spend my time at either the gym or the beach. Do you? Yeah, oh. not very exciting other than that. <laughs> I know that the the beach part sounds lovely to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got amazing beaches up your way, haven't you? Yeah, we do, especially on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Okay, so today you're going to share with us about your little baby, Ariel. Do you want to tell us um, a little bit about your journey to pregnancy? Yeah, um, so I went in for my surgery for endometriosis, um, PCOS, get everything scraped out. I found right. out I found out I was pregnant as I was walking in. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was a massive shock. My partner and I, for four years before, had never worn condoms or any kind of um, birth control um, I just I knew that it would always be difficult for me so we didn't bother uh, a couple of months before probably five months before that I just started on metformin which is a, um, a drug used to control your PCOS and I wasn't aware that it helps you ovulate as well <laughs> um, oh. yeah <laughs> so I'd obviously got pregnant um, because of that so yeah so I take it your surgery was cancelled Yes, it was cancelled. I actually was already dressed for surgery and I was walking in because when I first, when I did the pee test, I said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant. Um, have it on my period for like five or six months. Right. Blah, blah. Um, and I'd gotten dressed. I was sitting out in the waiting room, had the socks, the hat, everything on. And then the nurse comes running out and goes, wait. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so how did you feel about being pregnant? Was that a happy time? Um. To be honest, completely honest with you, it was a it was a mix of yes and no. Um, right. I had had a really really bad six months with my endometriosis. I was in just so much pain, and I, so I was super excited for the surgery. Mm. Um, but I was also so happy that I was pregnant. So mm. yeah, it was it was a mix of both. And once once the shock wore off in a few days, I was really excited. But I also had a niggling feeling from the start that something wrong was going to happen. Um, so. Mm. 
Yeah, so I actually um, told my whole family that they're not allowed to buy any baby stuff. They're not allowed to buy anything until I pass halfway because I just, I just had the feeling. Mm, that's so interesting. Mm. I wonder why you had that feeling, just mother's oh, intuition maybe. I don't know, but everyone or everyone said to me, oh, you're just stressing out over nothing. And I just, I think I was just kind of in the mindset that my, what my female parts are just, don't work yeah. and I was just in that mindset that something would go wrong I yeah I just I don't know why from the very start I had that feeling yeah and um you're going to go on to share that something did go wrong do you want to tell us how when you kind of first found out your little baby wasn't well yeah so we got the okay at 12 weeks um the next day we had the doctor call us back saying we had to come back in and see the specialist mm-hmm. I went to see my gynecologist my normal gynecologist um, he told me that we originally thought it was amophical, which is where your organs are growing on the outside of your body. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we were told that we wouldn't be able to tell until 20 weeks, halfway through, um, how bad it was. Right. And it turns out a month later, I found out that that doctor, um, that doctor's license was cancelled because he was on drugs the day that he actually saw me. Um, wow. Yeah. The specialist. The specialist. The specialist, yeah. So wow. then we got to halfway through. It turns out it's limb body wall complex, right. um, which is just abnormal, abnormally over the whole body. So she wasn't growing to the size that she should be. There was no way to tell how far I was along. So when I lost her, they said I was between 19 and 23 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, because I hadn't had my period, I wasn't tracking it. There was just no way to tell. We were only tracking by size. Um, so her size was the size of a 17-week-old Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously because of the condition, she would have been further along. Yeah. And so had you had a doctor who was doing the right thing at the 12-week scan, would you have known more yep. then? hundred percent. I would have, they would have told me from 12 weeks what it actually was, mm-hmm. um, if he, if he'd done the right thing and then I could have chosen to terminate at 12 weeks. Right. Okay. Oh my goodness, that's terrible. Um, and because of what was hinted at and the 12-week scan, did you have additional scans and stuff along the way? Yeah, so I was, I was having scans. Um, so after the 12-week scan, I had another one at 13 when I saw the specialist. Mm-hmm. And then I went and saw a different specialist at 16 weeks. Sorry, at 17 weeks. Um, and then they just said, that, that's when they said that they think something else is wrong. So I went back a week later and they right. said, yeah, you either need to, and then they just told me what happened. I did my own research. Only two babies have ever survived this. Um, we don't even have the facilities in Australia or the specialists in Australia that know enough about limb body wall complex. So I would have had to maybe even go down to Sydney um, if I was going to carry her to full term. And I just, I had to choose to terminate because it, the yeah. odds, the like, it's like one in seventy thousand people get this condition. Mm. So, the, and like two have ever ever survived. Maybe more now. It was two back then, but yeah, the, yeah. I, to carry her to full term and then go through that, the odds were just too low for me. Yeah. So, what were your choices to terminate or carry to full term and see what happened? Is that kind yep. of the two choices you were given? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like having to make that decision, Andy? Um, it was super hard, but at the end of the day, the amount of organs that she had on the outside of her body, it mm. was just, 
she wouldn't have survived. And even Mm. the doctors said that as well. Yeah. What's the process that you had to go through to... um for the termination? So I had to take a, um, like a, I can't remember if it was a tablet or a needle or something to get me to go into labour. Right. Um, and then when I got there, this was like three days before it. And then when I got there, um, well, we actually, so we actually pushed this back. So we found out this um, around the time of my ex-partner's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to lose the baby on his birthday, so I pushed it back another week. So I actually carried her for a week knowing that I was yeah. going to terminate, which was yeah. that was probably super hard. And so I took the tablet or the needle three days before. Then I went in on the day um, they induced my labour, um, spent about 10 hours in labour. Um, and then once I had areole, my placenta didn't come out. So mm-hmm. usually after your placenta doesn't come out, you're meant to have the surgery within an hour. Um, because there was an emergency, I had three hours, so three to four hours. So I was still having contractions for three to four hours after Ariel was out. Yeah, and I ended up getting an infection from it. So they, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's awful. So you laboured and delivered your beautiful little girl. Um, did you get to hold her and spend time with her and all that? Um, you weren't well with the placenta thing, so what? what I did. Um, so I wasn't allowed to hold her, which was probably the hardest. I wasn't allowed to hold her until after my surgery, okay? Um, because I was still having contractions, and the contractions were coming like every twenty to thirty seconds. Wow. Um, yeah, so I couldn't uh, like, and they were very, very strong, so I couldn't actually hold her. So she was next to me in a cot while I was having those contractions for like yeah. four hours. And then after, because I, I went into general anaesthetic, so after I had woken up and I was back in my room after the stuff up of going to a different room, then I could hold her. So I didn't even hold her till the next day, really. Oh, wow. Tell us about the stuff up. You mentioned it to me when we were chatting earlier. Yeah. Uh, so after my surgery to have the placenta removed, they accidentally, they told me I was going to be brought into the same room where she was, um, but they accidentally moved me into the new baby's room, um, new mother's room. So there was a big bag saying congratulations and oh. all, these, all these new baby stuff in it. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm definitely in the wrong room. I said something to one of the staff and they, they were so, like, they, were, they felt really bad. Um, and move me back into the other room. So, yeah, that was pretty traumatic. Yeah, yeah, trauma on top of trauma, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can I just backtrack a little bit? When mm-hmm. you um, take the medication or have the injection, does that stop Ariel's heartbeat and then she's born already? No, No, she's actually born alive. Oh, really? So it just yeah. induces the labour? It induces the labour, yeah. So, yeah. so oh, tell me, tell me about when. So she was alive when she was born. Yeah, I, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't a hundred percent understand. All I know is that they told me that she would still be alive when she was born. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I imagine she didn't. Why well, she wouldn't have made it? No. She's, yeah. Yeah. She didn't live for very long. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Generally, apart from their um. Them putting you in the wrong room. How was your care in the hospital generally, given this situation? They were really good. Apart from that, yeah, they were really good. Like they came in to me the next day and asked if I wanted to make a complaint, um, which I chose not to do because 
it's a mistake. Like they weren't the people that put me in that room weren't the ones actually dealing with me throughout the day. So they wouldn't right. have known. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were they were really, really good. So I was in there for a few days um, because of the infection and uh, she was with me the whole time. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, they're amazing. Do you have a service there where you can have photos taken? I didn't. I was offered, um, but I didn't take it. I just took my own photos. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I really didn't want, um, at the time I was just so devastated, I really didn't want many photos. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. And so was it like leaving the hospital and coming home without your baby? That was super hard. That was probably the hardest, to be honest, um, leaving. And because my mum picked me up and she was she was crying, then I started crying. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, leaving the hospital was probably the hardest and coming home. Um, I'm very lucky that I did have that intuition that something was going to happen because we didn't have a room to clear out. We had nothing sorted. So we, right. we didn't, yeah, nothing was bought. We had no baby clothes, nothing. We had all we had. Sorry, we had one, which is um, what we used to announce it. Other than that, there was nothing. Yeah, and so the days, weeks, months that followed, how, how did you cope? What was it? What was it like? What was it like? How were you? Um, super, super hard. So I didn't deal. I went back to I went back to work a week later, which was probably the biggest mistake. I should have wow. stayed home and recovered. Yeah. Um, but I just pushed everything to the back and it's kind of starting to obviously come out in the last six months. Um, so for the six months after I got home, I just, I'm, so I normally do a lot of gym, a lot of exercise. I didn't, I just, I ate shit. I, um, I just, yeah, I put on, um, ended up putting on 30 kilos. Um, wow. not in the six months. I, I put some on during my pregnancy cause I was sick during it and was eating bad, like not eating. Yeah. Um, properly like I normally do. So, yeah, I just was eating crap, put on like 30 kilos, um, which I've now lost. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, to be honest, I think the hard, the hardest thing for me was and the hardest thing that still is is people understanding. Um, mm. I've got a big family and friend group and, like, there were so many events that I had to attend. Like, for example, I was I had to attend a hen's party less than two months after and the last thing I wanted to do was fly to Melbourne and attend mm-hmm. a hen's party. Um, but I was full, like, because family and friends don't understand. They, like, they've never gone through this. They don't understand that you want to stay home, that you don't want to go out. Yeah. Um, and then we, so I was meant to go to a wedding in, I was meant to go to a wedding three months later, three or four months later, when we were going to be staying with a newborn baby. And no one understood why I didn't want to go. Nobody, and the, I lost a lot of friends. I've probably lost like my two closest friends because of really? this. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I've just cut them out and gone. You, you ha- I think I feel like you have to go through something big to find out who your true friends are. Right. Um. But yeah, my fa- my family and friends handled most of my some, most of my friends are really good. I'm just saying some of my friends handled the situation extremely poorly. Um, yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just impossible for people? be able to empathize or Uh, yeah that and just understanding like they just they just don't understand even now I struggle like like this year I could go down to Melbourne if I wanted to and spend Christmas with my family but like there's what there's a newborn baby that's going to be there I don't want to spend Christmas with a newborn baby the whole day yeah you know so it's especially when I was due around Christmas time yeah so yeah it's just a lot of people don't understand and they, they won't. Unless they go through this, they're not going yeah. to. 
Yeah, that's right. I wonder too, like, your baby was only seen by you and whoever you were allowed to visit you in the hospital. So yeah. people, there's, not, there's nothing that they've ever seen or had experience with to even yeah. feel that grief that you're, that you're living every day. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it caused like my um my ex and I are now broken up. We broke up about a year ago, um. So we broke up, we broke up a year to the day, oh no, a day, yeah, a year to the day of um Ariel's birthday. So, well, maybe the day before or something like that. So we um we stayed together for a year after um just like obviously to support each other, but we just couldn't make it work after it. And I think that's you- the hardest thing is making it work with a partner. After yeah. you go through something so traumatic. Yeah. So do you think your relationship breakdown was a direct, was, you know, directly linked to Ariel's birth? Yes, yes and no. I think a lot come out then. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that 60 to 70% of it was because of that, just like the after effects of it. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> so... You described that that was very difficult for you to see. So would you say your mental health was not in a in a great space? Afterwards? No, it wasn't. It wasn't, and it and it hasn't been um, hasn't been since since I'm only really starting to deal with it now. So I've been seeing a counselor, seeing a counselor for a few weeks, just starting to deal with it because, like I said before, I just I never did. I just went straight back to work, went straight back to my life, um, just kind of buried it. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw a, um, I actually saw a, um, what are those people that tell the future? Psychic. Uh, yeah, psychic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw yeah. a psychic um, about six months ago and that brought me a lot of peace. Um, I walked in and the first thing she said to me was, um, did you have like a little sister die? And I said, I didn't know what she was talking about at first. I said, no. And she goes, oh, there's a little girl on your shoulder. And I said, oh, how old? And she said, oh, about one, one and a half, one or two. And I said, oh, I lost my daughter a year. This was about a year and a half ago. I said, I lost my daughter a year and a half ago. And um, she just said, oh, I can see her, like, on your shoulder, like, with you. She's with you. And, like, she was really freaked out by it. Like, this is what she said when I first sat down. And I, when I booked in, I deleted all my Facebook and Instagram because I was under, I was just like, they're all fake. <laughs> they can't look, go me look me up. Yeah, they're gonna go look me up. So I deleted everything, um, and I was yeah. When she said it, I was super super shocked. Wow, but but you said it brought you some healing or something. It did, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she just said like she's always with me on my right shoulder. Wow, even if it is all fake, that's yeah. Of, even if it is all right. fake, it, yeah, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you're having some counselling now. How how are you now? Like you're two two years on, did you say? Two years on, yeah. So how are you doing now in comparison to how you were doing earlier? I'm okay. I think the biggest struggle is um, not. I obviously don't have a partner, so I'm kind of like I really want kids, but I don't have a partner to make that happen. So yeah. that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah, you yes. want to try again, but you, yeah, well, you know. I'm I'm 29 now, so I'm getting on. <laughs> You're still young. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting on. <laughs> <laughs> when you are able to try again, how do you think that will feel to be pregnant again? Um, oh, I I'll have to have. Um, 
I'd probably have to have count. Let's like I'd be completely honest. I'd probably have to have counselling the whole way through my yeah. pregnancy. Um, I'd just be. I think I'd be petrified the whole yeah. time. Something was going to go wrong. But like the doctor said to me, the condition that I had was so rare. The chances of having it again is extremely like I don't think it's ever happened before where someone's had it twice in a row. Is it a genetic condition or no? It's not. No. It's just a random. So it's random. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's um, something that you'll need a bridge to cross later on, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially if you really want that family. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thinking about Ariel, do you do you do kind of have any little special routines or rituals to kind of keep remembering her? Sometimes I talk to her, like, if I'm going through a rough time, like, I'll look up and be like, come on, like... <laughs> Or mm. I really want to get a tattoo with her name. I've been yes. wanting to get it for like six months. So I keep on checking out. So I'm going to do that eventually. Yeah. Um, and I need to get a, I'm getting a ring with her ashes in it. Oh, wow. Made up. So, um, so yeah, I'm hoping to um, have that done up in the next few months. I just, nice. I keep on forgetting to do it. Are there people who sort of specifically do that? Yeah, there is. Yeah, we've there's a few in Australia. I'm getting one from Brisbane um, to do it. Oh, that's amazing! I'd yeah. love to see it when you're um when it's done. Yeah, I'll send you a photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is that kind of like got a locket kind of situation or a little thing inside to hold no, it? No, so it's just it's just a normal ring, um, but the stone is made of their ashes. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Oh, she'll be on you and with you every day. Exactly. So I'm going to get a little pink one. Oh, that's so lovely. And Andy, what what have you learned about yourself through this process? I've learned how tough I am. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. So if I go, it's it's actually helped mellowed me out a lot. So anything I go through now, I'm just like, I can do this. Like mm-hmm. I've been through, I've been through worse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I have toughened up a lot. Just my whole whole outlook um, has changed. So I was previously I was just I was very very I'm like a very opinionated person. Um, right. Previously, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm just way more chill, and I'm like everyone will just do what they want to do. Yeah. Let let everyone do their own thing. Like I see a lot of people, especially with the um, coronavirus vaccine, um, just pushing their thoughts down people's throats. Yeah. And like. I can I can point out my flaws like I probably would have been one of those people um <laughs> but now I'm just like there's bigger things to worry about just let yeah. everyone everyone do their own thing just chill out so yeah. I think that I have changed for the better mm-hmm. um I'm a, yeah just I'm a lot more chill now um and a lot more stronger that's really interesting it's quite a obvious change in yourself that you can see yeah quite a big thing yeah nothing compares eh to um no. Losing your little one. It doesn't. And oh, I'm just going to ask you about the work, you, the volunteer work. Did you start doing that after this happened? No, I was doing this before. Oh, you were already doing that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was with Endo Australia before. And then, because I, so I was with Endo Australia before, um, but I was always going to um, Q Endo's events, which is Queensland Endo. Yeah. Um, and I went to one of their events probably three or four months after and I'm friends with a few of the girls there and they just said, come on, come work for us. So <laughs> I just, I did, I went, oh, yeah, okay. So I went and that's when I jumped over to Qendo. 
And have you found that that group of people to be a good support? A hundred percent. Yeah. If I ever have anything going wrong, um, there's always someone to message there. We actually offer support networks. Yeah. So you can, um, we offer 24 seven for support. Um, so there's always someone there to help you. And like, we have, especially our Insta, like if someone needs help, just message our Instagram and we can really? always, yeah. So like it saves, if someone's really struggling and they need help, they can just message the Instagram and there'll be someone there to show you where to go or like give you, connect you to someone that can help you. Oh, that's wonderful. I will put the Instagram and website for Qendo into the show notes. Yeah. Is it, would it be just for Australian people to message no, or anyone? No, so we've, um, We've got a we've got a New Zealand um, part as well, so we're actually yeah. just launching that at the moment. Well, Amazing. Actually, I'm not really all over that because it's Jamie that's doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. She's she's doing a lot in New Zealand already. I'm not 100 percent sure if it's been launched or not, but it is launching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And if someone was listening who has been through is going through something similar to you with you know, needing to make decisions about termination and um, giving birth to a baby who's not going to survive. What what advice would you give them? Advice I would give them is to look at the bigger picture. So think six months forward. Don't just think now because I know a lot of people would go, oh, I don't want to let them go. But you need to think to yourself, are they like, and you need to ask this question to your doctor, what are the chances of survival at full term? Because I can guarantee yeah. you right now, if you carry that to full term and you lose them, it's you're going to regret it. You're going to wish that you did it halfway through. Not, right. But, yeah, just listen to your doctor. And also my messages are also always open. If someone wants to message, someone's okay. going through the same thing as me and wants to message me, please don't be scared. I won't bite your head off. I, I'm always happy to talk to anybody. Okay, amazing. So I'll pop your Instagram in the show notes for people as well. Sure. Yeah. And our final question today is, well, what does it mean to you to be Ariel's mama? To be Ariel's mum, it just really shows how strong I am. I do, yeah, yeah I do still consider myself a mother, even though I don't have something to show for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just shows how strong I am. Yeah. You're always, she's always going to be your first child, right? Yeah, 100%. So when I do have my next baby, they won't be classed as my first child. Yeah, your second baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. That's Is there okay. anything else you wanted to add that we've kind of missed out before we sign um, off? No, I think that's all. But yeah, like I said, if, if anyone ever needs support, like I'm my my messages are always open. Qendo's messages are always open. Just, okay. yeah, just message us. Amazing. Thank you. Because... Like you said, other people often don't, can't or don't understand. So um, reaching out to someone who's been through something like this would, I imagine, be extremely beneficial. 100%. And I mm. wish I did have someone that I could yeah. talk to when I was going through it. Absolutely. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. Okay. I appreciate it so much. And I will pop that, those details in the show notes for anyone who needs them. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you so much, Andy. I am so sorry you had to say goodbye to Ariel, and thank you so much for sharing her with us. As always, I hope this podcast brings you hope, healing, and hugs. I'd really love you to help me share this podcast far and wide so those who need to hear it can. You can do this by subscribing to the podcast, 
You can leave a review in the app you're listening on, or you can simply share it with a friend. I'd be so grateful if you did.